You know the story about the scorpion and the frog? Your friend Nino didn't make it to the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Drive. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the Welcome, everyone, to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, Sparky Plug, Rick Barrasso. God help us. And the big drive Boski. The big Rick. drive Boski. <laughs> we're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I am doing tremendous. Great. So today we are talking drive. We're putting the podcast into drive. But let's take care of some business first. Last week, we talked all about No Country for Old Men. And I swear, I didn't know that it was a very similar plot. When we picked Drive, not our fault. We hadn't seen it before. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to just go ahead and say this. I think that No Country for Old Men was one of our more flawless episodes. I really enjoyed that episode, yes. Same, same. Yeah. But you know what? Let's top it this week. You can check that episode out, or you can check out any of our library. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Whatever app you use, we're on it. Subscribe, review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show. And if you have enjoyed an episode, or if you have anything you want to say to us, or any movie you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast on Facebook. We are at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram, and you can always shoot us an email at greatmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old buddy, our old friend, our mob tie, Bruce Wayne would say. Our our high school graduate friend. (laughs) Tell your friends about us. Now, let's rev that engine with Drive. Drive is a 2011 crime drama directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, I believe. Uh, it stars Ryan Gosling as the driver, Carrie Mulligan as Irene, Brian Cranston as Shannon, Ron Perlman as Nino, and Albert Brooks as Bernie. Made $81.4 million on a $15 million budget. It has a 7.8 on IMDb, a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 78 on Metacritic. Ebert says... Four out of four. Quote, here is still another illustration of the old Hollywood noir principle. The movie lives its life, not through its hero, but within its shadows. Peter Travers from the Rolling Stone magazine says, four out of four. Buckle up for the existential bloodbath of Drive, a brilliant piece of business that races on a B-movie track until it switches to the dizzying fuel of undiluted creativity. A.O. Scott from the New York Times says, 2.5 out of 5. Drive is a somber, slick, and earnest, and also a prisoner of its own emptiness, substituting moods for emotions and borrowed style for real audacity. That is the most realistic and, and, and correct review, I'd say, so far I've heard for this movie. Well, we'll get into it more, certainly. But this is the first time we've both seen it, correct? Correct. So, I mean, you've... It, it seems, I mean, com- comparing it to No Country for Old Men, which we just did. And it's, it's, I think, unfortunate for this movie that it was yeah. very similar in so many ways. But it, I, I like this movie. There's definitely things to like about this movie. Certainly. I honestly, once the soundtrack kicked in, I was like, Derek's going to not like this. No, 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 no. I, I don't, I don't dislike, as long as it works in the film. It worked. You know? me, so honestly, it, it, it didn't. When that song came in, the scene where he's sort of like dating Carrie Mulligan's character, mm-hmm. and that song kicked in, I was like, "What, what the fuck is this? Like, what is?" Yeah, what like here? sometimes it, so when they the, brought the, it back at the and when they reprised it at the end, I was like, "Okay, it works. It works. I get it." Yeah, the, the music wasn't a bother. Is sometimes it was the placement of it that bothered me. 
I, I think to me, it's uh, you tend to, and this is in movies and music, tend whenever anything '80s style comes up, you tend to have a negative reaction. And this, sh- <laughs> this to me, is a very '80s style movie. The question to me is, and we'll we'll talk it out. Does it succeed in capturing, you know, like Travers and Ebert? They think it does. They think it works with that sort of like neo-noir type movie. But A.O. Scott is like, no, this is, it's coasting off of greater movies. It's coasting off of legitimate pioneers in this style. Rick, there's a movie with Joaquin Phoenix and Robert Duvall and I think Mark Wahlberg. I forget what it's called. Something about the night, the night ends, the, 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 about the Russian, Russian mafia or something like that. Okay. Uh, I forget what it's, what it's called, but it was supposed to be this big, big, great movie. Joaquin Phoenix's character is like uh, this, this, this like, drug fueled club owner and Robert Duvall and Mark Wahlberg are like these cops and, and they're all family. They're all the brothers and Robert Duvall's the father. Joaquin Phoenix has to like help out his cop brothers and become like a straight laced guy. And you're just waiting. You're waiting for the twist and turns to happen. And they never come. It is a straight shot from beginning to end with no twists and turns. This movie's called Drive. I didn't see a whole lot of twists and turns in this movie. And that, I think, is, is, is where I'm... That's why I said the thing about the review before. I was just hoping for a little bit more story. That's all. I think it does, in some ways, value its style yeah. uh, over traditional characterization. Yep. And, and it, that can work for you. It may not work for you. I, I honestly, I don't know how I feel about this movie yet. This is a movie that's like, I'm still marinating. Yeah. Like I, said, I, I do want to, I do want to talk it out. So let, yeah, let's talk about what happens in, in drive. Have, have you picked a song? Like what song, you know, maybe you use one of the songs in the movie, but have you picked one that's going to uh, capture the mood? It's going to add to your eventual Spotify playlist of the songs you've chosen. Rick, can you guess what I picked for this song? I'll give you a hint. The name of the movie is in the song. The name of the movie, uh, is it Baby, You Can Drive My Car? Well, you're correct, but the song's called Drive My Car. Okay. All right. Three, two, one, go. An unnamed stunt driver is a side hustle as a getaway driver for criminals, but borrows money from Neo and Bernie. Two low-level mobsters start a racing career. Begins dating his neighbor, and her husband is released from prison as the relationship starts to get serious. Said husband gets in deep with the mob, and the driver helps him out with a job to clear the debt. The job goes wrong, and the husband and partner wind up, and their partner end up dead. Turns out Nino and Bernie were behind the robbery and now need to kill everyone involved, including the driver and Irene, his lady friend. The driver is able to kill Nino and Bernie and keep Irene safe, but loses her in the process. 28 seconds. All right. So, so that's what happens in the movie, basically. Like I said, this movie is very stylistic, it is unique. In how it's it, there's not many movies made today that look like this, but we'll we'll get to that. Let's talk about what we liked about it. So, what is your number three scene, Derek? My number three was the opening scene to the movie. I thought it had a lot of promise. It was very exciting. You just you could tell right away, like, okay, this is going to be quite the movie, quite the ride. It's going to be very nerve wracking, and uh, I, I just liked I liked the the way it was it was going, like the flow of the scene. I loved when um, when I, the Ryan Gosling's character is just called Driver, uh, so I'll refer to him as Gosling's character. Right. I like when his character like stops the car, shuts the headlights off, and just kind of pulls over a little bit, waiting for the cops to go by. I always think of this. Anytime I'm driving and I'm always like, if I was ever in a chase or somebody was chasing me, because my car is a fucking yellow Kia Soul and it stands out like a fucking whatever, I'm always like, how am I supposed to get away in the dark? And I'm like, well, I could pull over and shut my headlights off and like try to hide from the cops. But I'm like, they'll see my yellow car. So it was just funny to see that he like pulled over, took the headlights off and it worked out. Then you're like, oh, he got away. That was cool. And then like the cops see him again. The helicopter sees him again. You're like, oh, shit. We knew obviously he wasn't going to get caught because he's the star of the movie and it just started. But and then I was thinking, oh, maybe he does get caught and goes to prison for a while. And I'm like, probably not. But this had a very, very promising beginning, so I really enjoyed it. That's my uh, that's my number three. Yeah, that's that's a great scene because it's it's a chase, but it's not like a high energy chase like we get later in the movie. You know, it's like very like how does he get away? He gets away with skill. He pulls into like the he puts on the radio and it's like oh the Lakers game is ending and 
you know, he pulls in to the staple center parking lot and, and like just walks out, you yep. know, it's, I, I think that was, that was pretty clever, but yeah, it's, uh, that was, that was a cool scene. So my yep. number three scene is a, is a very small scene. And I, I liked it because of what it said about the character immediately. It's where we meet Nino and Bernie and specifically it's uh, Bernie ordering Chinese food to Nino's pizza place. <laughs> right, right. And it's like, oh, that tells you everything you need to know. Where he's like, all right, you get the chopsticks? Go, go to the chopsticks. Go to the chopsticks. <laughs> yeah. And you just have Ron Perlman come in the scene and just be fucking full Ron Perlman. He's dialing yeah. up their Perlmanness. Yeah, he's very Perlmanish. Yeah. And even Cranston giving a great performance in there as well. The, the one thing I and it, it didn't make my it didn't make my my least favorite things, but because it's a, it's a meat problem. But whenever I hear Albert Brooks's voice and just like he just get him to his son, he's just right. trying to find his son with Ellen. Yeah, G- Gia said that during the movie. She was just like, she just I think she was just like he's Nemo's father. I'm like, hey, I yeah. get it, I get it, I get yeah. it. <laughs> but he's such a he's such a dick here, and um, he, like he's a dick to everyone, even his friends. And then there's that little like later in the movie in a different scene where there's like the the kid Benicio is just like, Oh no, no sharks are never good. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, they're the villains in the movie, I guess. Like that's right. 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 I was like, yeah, but he's a, he's a shark clearly. Yep. Uh, so what is your, uh, what's your number two scene? My number two scene was actually standards death. Uh, it was very shocking. I didn't know he was going to die that soon. And I jumped a little bit when the shots came out. Cause they ringed over very, very loud on my TV screen. Yeah. And I was like, Holy shit. He's, Wow, I thought there was going to be more of a conflict between uh, the driver and Standard, and there wasn't. They just became buddies almost, and it was kind of like weird how that happened. Yeah, um, but that was interesting. I, I don't know if I was Standard, and I'd be like, Ryan Gosling's been hanging out with my wife and child. I don't know how I'd react to that. Right, <laughs> and like, and, and I'm trying to put myself in driver's shoes, and that, and that is that he just really wants Irene and her son to be safe, and he's like... Yeah. At this point, I, I feel better just being close to the family, making sure they're okay, rather than like going against this guy and but you know, whatever. But um, yeah, his 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 death scene was pretty shocking. I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, and especially um, because the the actor has gone on to be like a much bigger star than than this role would would indicate. Well, it's funny. While I was watching it, I kind of forgot what year this was, and I was like, yeah. "This is a weird role for Oscar Isaac." Yeah. And then I was like, "Wait a minute, he's not really Oscar Isaac yet." He's not, yeah. <laughs> um, like but, he's, uh, he's yeah. like he's like he's in Star Wars for Christ's sake. Like like a couple years late. Like it's. Play, yeah, plays like, a, the, the main villain in X-Men. Yeah, like he's in blockbusters now. He's, you know, he's he's Oscar Isaac now. And then he was just like a guy in the movie. He, like he's just another good actor and like a, in a pretty good movie. And yeah, to see him, I mean, that's my number two. I mean, I have the whole, basically the whole segment because uh, I think there it's it's tough to separate the job going wrong to the chase to the scene in the hotel room because it's all yep. sort of one thing. And like, not only does you know Oscar Isaac die, but they bring in Christina Hendricks for like a nothing role almost. Yep. And it's just yep. like, oh, Christina Hendricks, she's going to be a big part of the movie. Nope. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I love about this, it's it's you know, these scenes as well as you know the scene later on where he sort of stomps the guy to death. The violence is not sexy in this movie. No, it is not sexy. It's brutal. Very brutal. It's sudden. It's disturbing, but it's shot in a beautiful way. Yeah, yeah, I, I can agree with that. You know, like especially the scene, like yeah, with with this, like it's in slow motion. You see Christina Hendricks' head just get blown off. Yeah, like, it's, it's like wow. Like I didn't, I was not expecting that. Right. Uh, you know, and the driver just sort of staying as cool as possible in that moment. But I mean, it's, it's also just like a good old fashioned fucking chase scene, you know? Right. Yeah. Scene, right. Absolutely. But yeah. And, and again, you, because the only crime you've seen before this really is very low key. That first scene that you mentioned in the movie, it's very low key. So you're almost expecting just like, you're not expecting this fucking eruption of violence. Yeah, and it, it's it's once it starts, it doesn't really stop. Like every scene is very, uh, you know, a lot of the character, um, almost all the characters in this movie get fucking killed brutally. Yeah, it's a it's a tough it's a tough movie for for the characters. You know, even the people that get away are take some damage. Um, 
So what's your uh, number one scene? That's my number one. I actually broke them up, whereas you yeah. did the whole segment. But mine was like the big car chase scene into the hotel room was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, and the, the the driving scene where he like goes in reverse and he's just like reversed like while the car's chasing him. And then he just like, turned, it was a crazy, crazy shot. And uh, just, just wild. And then the hotel scene that you, you had mentioned it, but when, when she gets shot in the head and her like brains fly out of her head in slow motion, I out loud, I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. Um, it was very, very intense. And, and also I, I did say, Holy shit. A minute before that, when he just gives her the, the loudest smack to the face. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's something like James Bond would do in the early seventies. And I was like, oh, crap. And uh, yeah, and, and you find out that like she's like in on it or she's trying to like screw him over or whatever. Yeah. So, what was, like, so, the, yeah. so the, was they sent them, they sent that team. And was it the, was it Bernie and Nino's men were then robbing them? I think so. The, the story's a little convoluted and confusing. Yeah. And things just kind of happen. And then I don't love the driver's decisions either. Sometimes he just doesn't make good decisions either. He's calm, cool, and collective. But then I'm like, that was kind of dumb. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess he's like uh, a pretty good defensive guy. I mean, he kills the guys pretty easily. He's good with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a stuntman. But all of a sudden, he's like Jean-Claude Van Damme in that room. Well, we, I mean, we don't know. I mean, that's. I mean, we'll talk more about the driver because I, you right. know, we have we have questions about the driver, I guess, or I do at least. Uh, my uh, my number one scene is uh, the scene where the driver kills Nino, where he, you know Ron Perlman, you you know it's coming, and just watching it develop uh, from the part where he puts on the the mask, this creepy mask that he wears as a stuntman to sort of blend in with the, the scenery and not stick out is like, Oh, why this guy turned, you know, turned from this actor to Ryan Goss on the stuntman. He puts this on. He like creeps up to the restaurant, the pizzeria. And it's like, Oh, I guess we're starting this now. And <laughs> basically ends up running Nino off the road and just drowning him. And it's brutal. It's not a fun death. <laughs> you right. know, and that's, that's, you know, one of the things I said before, you know, I really like that the violence in this is not glamorous. You know, this is not an action movie where somebody's blowing somebody away and it's, you know, this is not like, I'm trying to think of a movie we've done on the show that kind of has that sex, like James Bond kind of has like sexy action, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I guess my only problem with the scene is that like, I don't really care. Like, like Nino, like he hasn't insulted me. You know what I mean? Or like the driver is just like, yeah, you're the fucking head honcho or one of them and I'm going to kill you. But the connection between the characters, like the scene itself is fun because you're like, he's going to get it and he ends up getting drowned. But like, well, Nino's the guy being like, they have to die. Yeah. You know, Bernie, Bernie, like if he had come in a few scenes before, it's like, I could have salvaged the situation now. Like you fucked this up. Right. Now everyone has to go because of your fuck, your insistence. Like, there is no downside to Nino taking the driver's deal. We're just like, I'll just go get the money. Like, that's it. That's right. it. Would have been over and done with. And that's exactly what, you know, that's exactly what Bernie told them. And Nino sort of just like, no, I'm, I'm going to be a fucking big time. Cause they were, you know, they, they, they call me this slur cause I'm half Jewish. And it's like, all right. Like you caused this, like, Bernie's the ultimate villain because he's far more competent and is like knows it has to be done because of Nino's fuck up. But right, uh, you know, Nino's the one who's like the reason for this. He's the one that's like threatening this innocent woman and her child. Right. So yeah. I mean, I, you know, he I, he had it coming. Being drowned in a fucking high tide <laughs> not, wouldn't be my way to go if I could pick it. But <laughs> you know, maybe maybe some people deserve to go badly. So, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about least favorite things about this movie. Least favorite parts about this movie. Mine's a little bit broad, but a um, couple of things I'd like to say. I said this before. The story's a little bit too straightforward for me. There's no whoa twists, and you know, not not that every movie needs a twist, but I'd like something to happen. Um, I just. I don't know. Like the first half of the movie I felt was very promising because you're like something big is going to happen. And then 
the violence is the big thing that happens and the violence is really shot well and it's exciting and it's, it's shocking, but the story just kind of just doesn't really do anything. Um, it's just about the money. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm watching the first scene of the movie and I'm like, this is going to be an amazing movie about this driver who like drives people back from heists and almost gets caught. And it's going to be super high paced and exciting. And it really doesn't do that. Or at the very least I was like, this should be like an updated taxi driver type movie where like the, the driver looks in his rear view mirror and always sees like these wacky characters and like the scum of the earth. And he gets involved in these like shady people and all their stories. I was looking for something like that, especially because I heard that drive was a really good movie. I heard it on several occasions. Um, so it let me down in that aspect. And again, like not enough actual driving. I mean, there's some cool driving moments, but I thought the majority of the movie was going to be him like driving people around and like you see the perspective of inside of the car. And it doesn't do that really. I feel like the movie shouldn't have, shouldn't even been called drive because it's just not, it's just I, not what I, what, what I yeah, thought. I, I think that, you know, the, the movies that this, movie is trying to be are you know it's not it's 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 heart is in the 80s it's in these like early 80s de palma type movies that they're they're about mood more so than they are about what happens and <clears throat> you can see that in gosling's performance where it's like everything you read about it is you know gosling's like let's do less like, let's talk less, you know, let's, let's just let the movie speak for itself. So in a way it becomes not literal. Sometimes you just have to kind of go with it. And, and I can see that not working. Like I remember texting you being like, I don't know if you're going to like this. Like this is kind of a love it or hate it movie. Right. Uh, you know, and we, we seem to be coming down somewhere in the middle, but yeah, uh, I, I can see why. I can see why you feel that way. I, I think the, the, the twist of like the job has gone wrong in like in the way that it does works for me, mm-hmm. you know, and now we've gone to, you know, the, the ultimate villain is Bernie as opposed to, you know, Nino or to, you know, or, yeah. Or and thing, I just feel like the driver is like, he's always like a step ahead of people. And he's like killing these guys in the hotel room and he's doing this, he's doing that and all these crazy things. And like, he just gets stabbed by Bernie. Yeah, randomly. Like, like I said, the, the the violence is not pretty. Like this is not an act. But like, it's, I just feel like I feel like the, the the writing was like poor at that point because it's like the driver's so ahead of everybody, and then he just like isn't defensive when he gets stabbed outside in broad daylight. I'm like, why wouldn't he have like been prepared for this? The shady asshole was is not. Good. He even said in the phone with him, he's like, I can promise that your girlfriend or whatever yeah. will be fine, literally, literally but I can't say that. The yeah. fucking same scene. Right, right. It, 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 yeah. But like, but then he's like, I can't promise that for you. And then, but he still goes along and then he gets stabbed. It's like, wouldn't you have prepared to not get killed? I don't know. It was very I think weak. he was like, I yeah. think it was just like, I've got to take the hit. And to, to, and again, this is where it becomes like not literal. You know, it becomes, um, you know, metaphorical in some ways where the driver you know, he he literally takes a hit, but he's also has to figuratively take the hit. You know, it, it it he needs to dirty himself. He needs to he needs to feel the pain, literally, to make up for the pain that that he has caused uh, Irene. That's how I took it. Because the the other thing that I noticed throughout the movie is the jacket, right, that he wears throughout the movie. Yeah. It the the jacket's a metaphor for like how deep in he is in. He as it gets more bloody, like the literal blood on his jacket is the blood that he has on his hands. Like, and it's the same metaphor as you know when he shakes Nino's hand, or um, shakes Bernie's hand, right? Where, where he's like, "My hands are dirty." Because mine are too. Uh, the jacket is that, and he needs to get a little bit more blood in his hands to end it. You know, he needs to get a little bit more blood in his, his jacket. That's that's how I took it. But I, again, I can I can see if you know looking at it, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Anthony in a, in a way where it's like people watch movies differently, and if that is not apparent to you, that's not your fault. That's just how how you perceive things, and that is how I perceive things. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I just. Um... 
it's 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 tough for this movie to be right behind No Country. Yes, yeah, for that old men. That it, it, I, I actually yeah. I watched this before I watched No Country for Old Men, so I started formulating my opinion of it beforehand. You know, right, like right. I, you know, I, I mean, I'd seen No Country for Old Men before, but I like I, not very recently. Right, um, right. And, and like I, I had that sort of like you know after watching No Country for Old Men and watching anything else when Drive started, I had like my arms folded like, okay, impress me. Yeah. Kind of attitude. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so. So I guess the, the question for me is when it comes to least favorite, I, I feel like the driver is almost like too inscrutable to relate to, you know, it, like it's all that he is like, you know, why, why does he care about these kids? Like, is he just like this kid? Right. Does he, you know, it's, would, would it have helped to be like, to have one piece of backstory other than like, he showed yeah, up like, in my garage? Like, he's a very lonely guy. Like, he yeah. doesn't really make a lot of interactions except for crazy old Shannon. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it would have been nice to see, cause like, you can tell by the, some of the shots in the movie that like, he really cares about this kid. Yeah. You know, if it's so. literally, if it was like, it, it doesn't, I don't need the full backstory of like, you know, you can fill in, it's like, well, he, if he showed up, it means he was probably like either some kind of hitman or, you know, or fixer or something like that before the events of this movie. But if, if there was one throwaway line where it's just like, it don't even make it, don't even make it too, you know, don't even spell it out too much. But like maybe he had a kid before, right? You don't need to know exactly what happened, but there's no kid there now. Give me something. To, to hold on to with him and root for him other than just like he's just a good guy doing the thing for the kid like give me something i feel like it's like a, qu- a quick flash of a kid that he's holding like a half a exactly. second and they never talk about it ever again exactly to me to me that that would make it where i'm just like i'm more in with this guy in the credits the kid's name is brandon you're like who the fuck was brandon yeah it makes you, you think about it. You don't it. even know who Brandon is, but the fact that <laughs> he's a Brandon, you can fill it because there's so much you have to fill in with this character anyway. Like, give us something. Yeah, right, right, you know? right. And maybe right. that's what they wanted, where it's just like, you know, we're building a backstory where it's like, yeah, the kid who, you know, the mob killed him, and like now he's fucking out for vengeance. Right. Now he just drives really fast. Yeah. He's <laughs> driving away from his past, but he's driving. Yeah, you know. So let's go to medals. Who do you have for your bronze medal? My bronze medal goes to the director, Nicholas Windling Refn. Windling Refn. Very odd name. So I was kind of like... Nicholas Windings Refined. (laughs) Windings. I wasn't sure if I liked his direction. Um, But after thinking about it, I I did like the fact that... And then I read this in the trivia. um, He seemed like he was giving a lot of the cast choices to make it seemed like the script was kind of loose and he was like okay guys like what should we do here because i think that ryan gosling's character had a lot more dialogue and ryan gosling made the choice with the girl who played irene that they were just like we're not going to talk that much we're going to use our faces more than dialogue and it's like very difficult to do and the director was behind it and because of that reason uh brian cranston was like well well since he's not going to talk a lot i should be this weaselly guy who can't shut his mouth yeah and so it seemed like the director was like, go for it. Let's film it and see what happens. So I said this before in another movie. It might have been a couple movies ago, but I do like directors that give you the chance to like develop and see where it goes. So I give him props for that. The action sequences were in your face and very clear and crisp and shot to the head. Brains come out. Right. Uh, you know, things like that. And like you said, they were they were like beautifully shot. It was beautiful, but it was like very like in your face, but I, he gets my bronze. I think he made some really, really cool choices here. Yeah. So I just want to give a, uh, an honorable mention to, uh, to Carrie Mulligan as Irene, because she's, it's a, she doesn't have it. Like she, she, they purposely do so little, but even in that you kind of, you, you get why someone would want, would want to defend her, you know, and her, and her child. Right. You know, she's, she's, I mean, I, I, Really like her as an actress. I hope to see her in more stuff. My bronze goes to Albert Brooks. Even though I get, you know, Marlin energy whenever he opens his mouth, he does play a very convincing, intimidating gangster as like an older guy who really poses no physical threat in a, you know, in a 
traditional movie sense, but you buy him. Yeah, his power is like what he knows and who he knows, maybe. Yeah. How he communicates and like how he it, it portrays himself, how the character portrays himself. You know, like I said, he's, he's constantly on a power play. And that's why I love that scene where he's like ordering food to another restaurant and being like, go get me my fucking fortune cookies. Go get me my chopstick. Like, get, like kid, go get it. Right. Uh, and he kind of, I think he kind of sees at first a bit of himself in the driver where it's like, oh, this guy's like, he's got something special about him. Like he'll go to the top if he wants to. And he's just like, ah, oh, you know, I got to fucking clean up this mess. I like the kid. Like, ah. You know, I like uh, I like Brian Cranston, but he's gonna go. And I like a scene that almost made my top three is the scene where he does kill Brian Cranston because it's like he's just he doesn't take any pleasure in it. He's like, it's done, it's over. Like, relax, you're, it's over. Yep, sit down. Like, you're already it's it's already done. It's already. Yeah, done. It's kind of it was, it was kind of a fucked up scene. Yeah, but it's it in a way you know its own messed up way. It's like Bernie's showing Shannon how much he cares about him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah. That's yeah. True. I, I mean, I'm not saying that's like that's a normal thing to do or any way. Right. To, right. Like, but, he, but, express but, affection, but it's just like he didn't kill him in a brutal way. He just yeah. did it quickly. Like I know this yeah. sucks, but I'm sorry. It's over. Yeah, he's like this had to be done. You didn't do anything wrong, but you just wrong plays, wrong time. So yeah, Albert Brooks, fun performance. Who is your silver medal winner? My silver goes to the great Brian Cranston. I, I told you before, before I watched this movie, I think I texted you and I was like, I don't know anything about this movie. Yeah. I know that it's called Drive and that Ryan Gosling is the lead. That is all I know. Gia, same thing. Gia started looking through the cast on her phone. But when the movie started, I was like, oh, my God, Brian Cranston's in this. Oh, my God, Oscar Isaac's in this. Oh, my God, Albert Brooks is in this. Oh, my God. Blah, blah. So it was exciting to do that not knowing anything. And it was really fun to do that. And so, uh, but anyway, Brian Cranston's character surprised me because I just watched Breaking Bad. I watched the whole series and I just got off of all this Walter White and this character, Shannon is much more weaselly and he talks too much and he's got a limp about him. It's just a different character. Um, and I enjoyed seeing Brian Cranston. I, I enjoy watching him anytime when he's on screen, he's exciting to watch. And I kind of liked his character and I thought maybe he was going to be the one to like, at the end, like fuck over the driver, but it seemed like they were old friends and he got him the jobs and things like that. And uh, I just liked where he took the character. I think um, I, what, I, what I had read was there was the, the original ending to the movie, I guess they were going to have uh, Irene was going to be killed. The, the driver would still drive off at the end, but that Shannon would like take the child. <laughs> what? Like so he, random. I, I would guess that he, that character is very different in the, in the performance than read in the script. You know, if, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, because because yeah. because Brian Cranston adds a lot more. Like everything yeah. he says is basically like ad libbed. Yeah, if, you, the if you shift that a few degrees, it's like, oh, here's the guy who took in the kid who had nowhere to go. Right. But right, right. you know the way they play it is like, you know, he's very fucking squirrely. You know. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. He's my silver. My silver goes to Ryan Gosling. Whatever you think about this movie, like the driver is a well realized character, and a lot of it's in the performance. Because there's not much dialogue. There's not much story to him. But I can tell you about the driver. You know, I can tell you his personality. I can tell you, you know, not much about his past, which you know, we talked about before. But uh, I, can, I can tell you about, you know, his values as a human. I can tell you about what he looks for in people. And that's all down to the performance. And I think, uh, you know, I think Dawson does a great job. And it's, he kind of helped build the movie. Like he chose the director mm-hmm. from what I read. So, you know, this movie's kind of his baby. Like he was the first person they hired to be like, this is like, you're going to be the star of this. Let's figure it out. Yeah. So who is your gold? We can keep talking about him. Ryan Gosling gets my gold here. He has a very interesting face. Um, and I'm sure a lot of women would say that it's a very beautiful face. He's somebody who he can easily control a scene by not saying anything. Uh, he has that face where, especially in this movie, I don't know if he's going to blow up angry or be very sweet. He has a very good poker face and it works really well in this movie because you're like, you know, sometimes you can see him like make a fist and you're like, okay, he's angry, but you wouldn't be able to tell by his face because he has that face. (laughs) He's just stone face, but he does a really good job here. And I've, I've always thought he was a very interesting actor. The character itself, I feel like, made some not great choices. But again, that's just the character. He plays the character really well, right. and uh, he drives. He drives the movie. You know, no pun intended or pun intended. And uh, yeah, he was a pleasure to watch, and uh, I enjoy watching more things with him. So he gets my gold. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a tremendous leading man role. I'm I'm surprised there. You know, and again, this is more of like he probably just doesn't want to do it. But like, I'm surprised a big franchise hasn't grabbed him. You know what else too? Look, I'm very surprised there was no like, there was no kissing. There was no sex scene. There was especially for an eighties. There's one kiss where the, right before he kills the guy. So I I. I can, oh, that I kiss! Yeah, yeah, I can understand why he forgot it because it's immediately followed by him stomping somebody's head to mush. But, right. But that's the only thing. It's like there's that one kiss, and they hold hands, kind of. Yeah, it was just kind of like a movie like this that's that wants to be '80s so bad. I'm surprised there wasn't like some like cheesy sex scene somewhere with like '80s music driving the background. And also, that seems kind of weird in the elevator because, like, really, like. You see the gun in his pocket. This guy wants to kill you. You're going to kiss this girl? I, I didn't buy it personally. I thought it was kind of a weird scene. Yeah, that's, that's to me, again, it's like what you're literally watching may not be what's happening. You know, it may not, it may represent something else. It, you know, it, it, it could be literally, it's like, I have to get her out of the way. You know, I have to say goodbye to her to, you know, to protect her. Also, it could, it's, it's, it's kind of dumb too to have somebody go and kill the driver. Where like, if you do that, then you're not only going to know where the money is. Well, he was there to kill kill the mother and the son. Oh, the okay. Just happened to be there. Gotcha. That makes that makes better sense then. Yeah. So my gold is a tie, but it is a a tie because I'm I'm not sure who to give the credit to necessarily. Nicholas Windermere Reffinger, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no Nicholas uh, Winning Reffin and. Uh, Newton Thomas Siegel, who is the director of photography, the cinematographer, because to me, the best thing about this movie is how it's shot and how it looks, how it's lit, how things are framed. You know, it's ugly things shot in beautiful ways. I think both of these two probably had a hand in it. So they they get my gold. Yeah. So let's go to recasting. So I've got the driver, I've got Bernie, I've got Nino, I've got Shannon, I've got Irene. Um, I think, so I got driver, Irene, Shannon, Bernie, Standard, and Nino. Okay, so you get Standard. Who do you have for Standard? Standard? <laughs> this standard is actually... Gabrielle. Yeah, really Quite weird name. Handle. Um, so, no and last week, last week I told you, for No Country for Old Men, I really wanted to get two specific actors yep. into my casting, and I actually got one in there. Okay. And... That is for standard. I chose Aaron Paul. Yeah, I can see it. Picture him getting out of jail. I picture him with tattoos, kind of has an attitude, gets killed. And you're like, whoa, holy shit. So uh, that's, my, that, that's my standard. Where do you want to go next? Uh, I'm fine going any direction. Okay, let's, uh, let's go with Irene. Who do you have? She is doomed. Well, actually, no, she's not doomed. I'm, I, I, let, me, let me rephrase that because actually Irene survives. Una Chaplin. Yeah, I can see that. I liked. I liked. I was trying to find an actress that's a, that I haven't used before who yeah. it, it has that look about her where she's just like you know she's a, she's a mother she's in, involved with this guy. I I, I I believed Aaron Paul and her were in a relationship, and I had to also believe that the driver would be in love with her. So I went with her, Una, Una Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin's great granddaughter. I one of the actors I don't think I've used this actress before, but you and a guest have used her, uh, Florence Pugh. Oh yeah. Uh, I think she can do the little, you know, the, I, I, I buy that she could do this role. Sure. Uh, you know, she's excellent in, in everything. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to use Florence Pugh. That's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the Pugh card. The Pugh card. So let's go with, uh, let's go with Shannon. Who do you have for Shannon? <laughs> My Shannon is uh, an actor who has proven himself. Uh, and we've talked about him uh, on a few different occasions, and um, that is Jonah Hill. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I went. Uh, you, you, you'll find that mine get a little bit more wacky as we go. Okay. But uh, I wanted somebody who could be that weasel side character a little bit, like uh, you know, um, just talk a lot, say a lot of things. Uh, Jonah Hill has a, a tendency to kind of reinvent himself in different roles. He looks different. He loses a ton of weight. He gains a ton of weight. He has a different hairstyle. He's got long hair. He's got braids, uh, short hair. I just, I, I could picture him taking the role to a different place than how Brian Cranston took it. And uh, yeah. And I think that while I was casting, I, I, I told Jira about it. I was like, what do you think of Jonah Hill being Shannon? She's like, I love that. It's so weird, but I think it would work. So 
had to get one person's opinion that was good in order to move forward with that. And I did so. So I'm one of the guy who is good in everything. He's good in bad movies. He's good in good movies. He can play restrained. He can play wacky. Uh, John Turturro. Okay. I like it. I like it. He's a guy you could, I feel like there's so many, my Bernie, my Nino and my Shannon. I feel like I put them in any order and they'd all do a great job in whatever role. Hey man, you don't fuck with the Jesus, all right? You absolutely don't fuck with the Jesus. So let's go to Nino. All right. So I know this character is not supposed to be Italian, but he's like a wa- Italian. Oh, I, I thought he was like a wannabe because he's, he's, he's half he's, Italian, half Jewish. Oh, I thought he was just Jewish. No, he's he's the, the scene where he kind of where he he has this big scene with Bernie where he says that he's half Italian and has, he's half Jewish, but they they look down on him because he's half, he's half Jewish. Oh, style. gotcha. Well. Well, that's that works then, because my Nino is Bobby Cannavale. Yeah, I'd see that. Yes, yeah, so I th- he's he, I like when he plays roles where he's like a little bit overpowering and he's yelling and stuff. Um, and he's kind of like the, the one of the lead villains here, or antagonists, and uh, I I just pictured it and I liked it. So I'm one of the guy who this is generally not the type of character he plays, but he is a he's a great actor. I think he's an underappreciated actor because he's been famously. Uh, a cop on TV for quite some time. That's Christopher Maloney. Okay, yeah, I, I like that. I like it. I like that a lot because I, I, I looked at I looked at the role of of Nino and I was like, this the way it's played. It's there's nobody who can do Ron Perlman other than Ron Perlman, right? So <laughs> who can who can play somebody who's you know physically imposing? But yeah, I, I think I think uh, Maloney can do it, and I. I I think he, he gets overlooked as an actor because he's played the same character for you know how many how many years he's been fucking stable, you know? Yep, exactly. So let's go to Bernie. All right. <laughs> My Bernie Rose is an actor, again, who's recently proved themselves that they can do more than just comedy. That is Adam Sandler. You know, I like that a lot, actually. I, I, I know you, I knew you would. And it's yeah. very, uh, my, some people might go, well, what the hell? But if you really think about it, I think Uncut Gem has really proved to me that Adam Sandler can take on heavy, heavier roles. And uh, again, Bernie's kind of a weaselly guy, too, whom he kind of knows who he knows. He's not really like physically threatening, but um, it's, he, he, he does kind of hold power in his hand yeah. somehow. And I pictured Adam Sandler being that kind of guy, like, Really snaky and like, well, what did you say? What, 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 you know? And then cutting somebody and really quickly. I, I, I like it. I actually really want to see Adam Sandler play a role like this. If Sandler pushed himself, he could be among the like most lauded actors in Hollywood. I agree. Whenever 100%. he tries to do something serious that's not just like a rom com or like a gross out comedy, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, and even as like, you know, look at a character like. You know, like the, the Bobby Boucher and the Water Boy, or like Little Nicky, who are like not—they're not great movies in the traditional sense. But you can't tell me those are not like incredible characters. Agreed. He's—he's—he's he's, he's great. He's—he should be. I wish he did. I wish he did more. But you know what? If I could hang out with my friends in Hawaii and make a movie for a couple of weeks that I don't have to try him, I'd do the exact same thing. So, you know what? Can't blame him. Sandler, you do you, buddy. So my Bernie, to me, is a guy who does fit in that role of like, if you look at him in the right light, he could play intimidating, but he's not traditionally playing those types of characters. Uh, And he's just a great actor. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Yep. Have you seen uh, Love and Mercy? No. He he plays Brian Wilson's like psychotic like manager who like controls his life and medications. And Paul Giamatti is insane. He's he's outrageously evil in that movie. Um, So I could 100 percent see it just based on that movie. Let's go to the driver. I'm interested to see what you have with the driver because the driver is such a blank canvas that you could. There's a lot of ways you go with that. Yeah, I. I. I like my choice. I like my yeah. choice. It could be it could be better, but I went with an actor. Number one, I wanted you're going to stare at this actor and this character for so long, so many scenes with no lines. I was like, you know what? It's got to be a handsome guy who can pull off anything. And this actor has done very cheesy teenage stuff to like playing a serial killer. So I picked uh, Zac Efron. Yeah, I like Zac Efron a lot. I think he'd do. Uh, I think he'd do a great job with the role. So I went with a guy who. He is, you may not know the name right away, 
when I say it, but if you, if you Google him, he was actually recently nominated for an Oscar. Uh, he's been in a ton of stuff. He's been in a star Wars movie. He's uh, been in comic book movies. He's been in a, uh, a huge uh, HBO miniseries. And that is uh, Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed. Let's see. Interesting. He has the kind of energy of like, he can play very quiet and he's uh, he's again, one of these, one of these guys who, you know, he's not super young. He's in his thirties, but he's. I'm looking at him now as the picture I'm watching. Uh, the, yeah. The picture I'm watching the picture I'm looking at now. He's playing a deaf drummer. Yes, he was nominated for an Oscar for that performance. He's a oh wow! In that movie, he's a like a metal drummer mm-hmm. who begins to go deaf. Wow! Yes. So I mean, I, I really like him as an actor. Uh, he was nominated for that was you know best actor nominated last year. Rizomet, I like him a lot. He's he's another guy who I've been like, oh, let me see if I can fit him in somewhere. So miscellaneous. Do you have anything that we haven't uh, talked about yet? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, I, like I said before, I, I always come to a miscellaneous early, and I probably shouldn't, but. He's kind of like the director letting the actors kind of roam free and kind of feel out the characters and, and flesh them out a little bit more. If they had gone with the script, I think it would have been a different movie. But the fact that they let, you know, Ryan Gosling and uh, I forget her name, the actress um, who plays Irene, but um, uh, the, Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan yeah, yeah. The, the two of them decided like together that they were going to have more of a silent relationship and a, kind of be more quiet on screen. And then Brian Cranston did like the more of the, of, of the talking and stuff. And I think that's a good direction. If they had done something else, it would have been a different type of movie. So that's just kind of a miscellaneous from the trivia that I read on the movie. Yeah, the only the only other thing I want to talk about is like, and this may be, you know, dime store film theory, I guess. Are we sure the driver actually lived at the end of the movie? That was the one thing that like he, he was stabbed in the stomach. And yes. like this, the last scene is him just sitting there and you're like, is he dead? And then yeah. he moves his eyes and he moves and he just drives away. And you're like, okay, is he driving to a, hopefully he's driving to a hospital. Or do you think he's dead and that's just him? Like, that's just like a thing that we see. Right. And, and, and again, this is, this is another thing where it's like, is it the literal thing that we're seeing? Or, you know, it, I think it driving away just represents moving on. So what you're saying is that the end of drive is equivalent to Danny Zuko and Sandy from Greece driving. Yes, that's into exactly the sky. what I'm saying. That's what I thought you were that's saying. Precisely. Right. You know, if, if this movie is like any other movie, it's like Greece. <laughs> it's not too far. And off I would Greece. explain it, but I feel like it's just so obvious. I mean, if you, if you don't know the comparison, if you haven't seen the scene where Kinnicky shoots Rizzo in the skull, then have you seen Greece? It's the director's cut of Greece. <laughs> You've ever seen the Family Guy bit where they make fun of like Danny and Sandy are in the sky driving yeah. still? He's like, she's like, are we gonna go down? Are we gonna go, are we gonna go down? He's like, I, I don't know, Sandy. <laughs> like the impression they have. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyways, to answer your question. I'm not sure if he's dead. Yeah, I think I think it's a possibility. It depends on how you you interpret the movie. So let's go to Oscars. Uh, it doesn't win any. It is nominated for best sound editing. This is a year that we have talked about pretty recently in our Moneyball episode. Mm. Check that one out. But let's uh, let's go through the major categories here. So this is a big list of nominees for Best Picture. This is uh, yeah, we're in the definitely the, the up to ten nominees era. So uh, in the the artist uh, wins in real life. We actually did say Moneyball is the winner. Uh, other nominees are this, the Descendants, Extremely Loud, and Incredibly Close, The Help. Hugo, Midnight in Paris, The Tree of Life, and War Horse. It's kind of a weak year. Yeah. For, for so. Best Picture nominees. Uh, I, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close is a bad movie. <laughs> it's a bad movie. And it needs to go. And I know we've, you know, we've we've talked this through, and you know, this is not our favorite movie, but Drive should go in over that. Really? Yes. Okay. It's it's bizarre that it was nominated at all. I don't know if Drive deserves to be there, though. Is there no other movies that year that I, mean, I remember going through the movies there, and you and I, you and I were like, this is a really weird fucking year. There are. So let me tell you, like, Extremely Loud and Credit Close is the only recent Oscar nominee where I was like, I think money exchanged hands to get this nominated. It has a. 45% on Rotten Tomatoes and it was nominated for Best Picture. Was this 2008? It's 2011. 
so the the Oscars took place in 2012 but this was 2011 like I was uh, confused like it's it's you know say we want about drive I think it has some good ideas take some big swings this this movie is like it's it's bizarre like I, I need to get it out of this best picture lineup immediately I would put drive over the help i don't think the help is good i think that has a lot of problems i uh, i know i know i know i know we, we talked about the horror genre and all that stuff and how it doesn't go in there but cabin in the woods man yes oh i, I definitely put that in there i absolutely 100 percent that we should definitely cabin in the woods you know maybe october next year we can we can do that uh, yeah but yeah i'd i'd kick out extremely loud and incredibly close i'd, I'd put in drive all right uh, best director uh michael Havanicious? Havanicious? Havanicious. Hazanicious? I don't know. It's tough. I this is not the name for me to say. Uh for the artist. Wins. Alexander Payne is nominated for Vincennes. Scorsese for Hugo. Uh acquaintance of the show Woody Allen for Midnight in Paris. And Terrence Malick for the Tree of Life. Do we want to talk about uh Nicholas Windmill Redonculus? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I already, I, I kind of have a problem with the, the movie being being nominated in our in our kind of fantasy thing. But in that case, I'm kind of like not really for the director to be nominated. Okay, that is fine. Uh, let's go to best actor. The winner in real life is Jean Jardin for the artist. Uh, other nominees are Damien Bashir in A Better Life, George Clooney in The Descendants. Gary Oldman for Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, and Brad Pitt in Moneyball, who I believe we did uh, promote to the winner of this category. Interesting. Now looking back, it's interesting that we did that. <laughs> I, I, we, I, listen, I re-listened to it, and we were like, this is not a strong year at all. Just looking at the nominees. Right. We were like, this, I was like, I guess Moneyball. Like, we felt weird about it at the time, but we were like, it just is like of the nominees that we've been presented with. Like it's the yeah. Best. I mean, if we did, if we if we stretched out 2011 and did more movies, I think we'd have different choices. I agree, and um, we'll do that. I feel like over time, things will be in and out. Like like, like, like specifically like one movie that year, like that was so under the radar is is called. We need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, and like Tilda Swinton and that. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I can I can tell. I mean, uh, we talked about them. So Warrior. That's that's an incredible movie. It's a cabin in the woods. Bridesmaids is that year. Mm. Um, you know, it's just it's even with the movies we just named, it's still kind of a weak year. But it is what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, do we want to talk about Gosling in there? Hmm. I too. I don't think he has enough lines for. Well, that's not fair either. Because that's not all. The winner has one line in the movie. Right. Right. That, that that's a good point. Yeah. This is the year of that. I, I, I could I could take it or leave it. I'm, I think it's a good performance. You know, he's my gold. You know, I, I thought it was a very good performance. So I, I leave let's it up to you. A, Do you let's think? Let's put a pin in Gosling. You know, when we cover one of these movies, we can get a better comparison. Right. I don't think anyone qualifies for best actress here. Best supporting actor. Is there anyone want to look at? Everybody's everybody does their job well, but okay. I don't know if there's any Oscar-worthy supporting acting here. Supporting actress, do we want to talk about uh, Carrie Mulligan? Nah, I think she was good, but I mean, nothing special. All right. So, Derek, big question. What are you eating with this movie? What am I – that's a great question. What am I eating with this movie? Man, that's a tough one. Is there anything – I guess, I mean, there's Chinese food eaten in this movie. Chinese food, there's pizza. Yeah, some pizza. Here's, um, I think there's you know, something that you you eat or drink on the go. Maybe a gogurt. I don't know if I'd go gogurt because it's, it's it's on the go. It's it sure is. It's, it's yogurt on the go. I, it's 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 a great point. Uh, great point there, Derek. Uh, but I, you know, maybe like uh, maybe like a breakfast, like a like a breakfast sandwich. How about this? How about a sausage, egg, and cheese, and a croissant from Dunks? Yeah. Sure. Sausage and cheese on your side. Let's do I mean, you- keep in mind your, your your shirt and your jacket are going to be covered in flakes. But it's well, just you know, just like the the driver's jacket is covered in blood. 
It's covered. Be, it's it's covered instead of blood. It's just croissant that would, flakes. That would be, that, that's the Derek version of Drive. <laughs> I'm just covered in croissant flakes. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get to the most important part of the podcast, and that is where we're going to put 30 seconds on the clock, and you are going to tell us, Derek, why Drive is the greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. Drive is an interesting movie. I'm not yet sure if I think it's great or if I think it's poor or somewhere in the middle. I'm thinking somewhere in the middle. The, the director makes some odd choices, but there's some very cool action sequences. If you want to chill, have, a, have like a cool night, watch a very intense movie with some cool action scenes, check out Drive. It's not great. It's not bad. It's in the middle. All right, 25 seconds. Oof. I feel like this is, there's not many movies where we're just like, how do we feel about this? Let's figure it out. Yeah, I have a past guest who's been on two episodes. His name is Steve Constantino. And I talked to him before we did this episode. And I said, he said, what movies have you done the last couple of weeks? I said, No Country for Old Men. And I did Drive. And he goes, I fucking hate that movie. Yeah, I, and I, can, I, I can definitely see why. But, but here's the thing, though. He only watched like 30 minutes of it, and then he okay. shut it off. Because yeah, he was yeah. like, I wanted to see him drive, and then he was in a relationship. And I'm like, "That's Steve, well, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to see an hour and a half Your of somebody Your human driving. emotions disgust me, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, was the, uh, that was the special Steve segment of the episode. He fucking hated it. All right. Excellent. So let's, and, uh... and he said, no country for old men fucked him up. Yeah, is so that, that, that that's a good re- that's a good reaction for No Country for Old Men. That should fuck you up. Yeah, but so yeah. let's talk about what we have coming up next week. Controversial Oscar winner. Why is it controversial? You said this twice now. We're gonna go over it in the episode when we talk about the Oscars. Okay, because it's a very specific story and it's a very specific person. Yeah, who many feel was wronged. And it was wronged in a similar way previously. Well, one thing about the movie that's interesting is, it, especially if you're anybody out there who's a Sopranos fan, is one of the actors who's in the Sopranos who plays the, he's like the head of the New York family. It's about his life, the actor who plays him. He's it's a, Tony Lip. It's a real story about him in his life. So that was very interesting and kind of out there. <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited to watch this one again. I really, really enjoyed this one. So hopefully, hopefully Rick likes it too. All right. And then uh, Thanksgiving week. Let's uh, let's get the family together. Let's uh, let's get some some stuff ourselves with food, and let's talk. Let's bring my wife Jen onto the show, and let's talk about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, aka Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, starting yes. the series. And then he's going to sacrifice himself. No, Ron. No. That's going to be. T- I don't know how we're going to do that series, as far as recasting goes. <laughs> I'm recasting Harry Potter probably with Danny Glover. <laughs> My parents are too dead for this shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, Harry Potter. It's, we're, we're, we're jumping in. We're going to Hogwarts. We're taking that Hogwarts Express. We're, I guarantee you'll be talking uh, theme park attractions in that one. Um, still laughing. <laughs> And then we go into December. Oh boy. And Christmas from, time. We go in, you know, we do the first Harry Potter and the next week we do the last, or at least the, um, the furthest in time, latest in time, Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth movie. Right. We're welcome back, Joe Boynton, our Lord of the yeah. Rings specialist. And of course, we're doing Return of the King. Yes. The epic Return of the King. Mm-hmm. Then we start part one of a series, and we'll reveal the first one now. We'll get to the next one later of our series that we call. And is it a Christmas movie? I've never seen this movie. And of course, of course, Yippie Kaye, it's Die Hard. Never saw it. I'm very interested to have that conversation because, oh, <laughs> you know what? I, I didn't even realize. That, you know, just we're having an Alan Rickman, you know, separated by Lord of the Rings, but, you know, almost an Alan Rickman doubleheader. Yeah, a couple, a couple Rickmans. Yeah, a couple Ricks, man. Uh, so 
want to thank you so much for listening to our episode today. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you're excited for the episodes coming up because I know I am. And I just want to sign off. And as always, I have been your one-of-a-kind co-host, Rick Barrasso. I have been the most special co-host you've ever heard, the big drive Boski, Rick. Keep driving, everyone.